This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we preview and review all the big business and market stories with Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. Hello from New York. Great to have you on again. The big story in your part of the world, of course, is Jay Powell's semi-annual testimony to Congress. It's a two-day affair. Uh, we've hit day two, but day one is where all the action is, is it not? Very much so. Uh, day two oftentimes is a repeat. Sometimes we get some other key topics covered, but we pretty much got what uh, I think everyone was waiting for. And uh, Pal's assessment of the current economic situation, uh, given the the robust economic data we've seen uh, throughout much of the economy, and I think everyone has uh, pretty much seen the dovish commitment affirmed, um, and uh, the the Fed has clearly stated that you know there will be no interest rate hikes or tapering in the foreseeable future, and uh, that's really uh, I think what markets uh, took out of day one. Uh, the the other. I think big takeaway is that the, the the Fed is still set on that optimism that you know this recovery is really going to be strong in the second half of the year, and that's where I think the the markets are kind of in disagreement with Fed Chair Powell, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we're starting to see a, a massive move higher in global bond yields. Um, I, I think you know before. Uh, Pal's uh, speaking, uh, you know, we, we, we saw, you know, that the, the bond market has been uh, fa- fairly um, sold sell, sold into. And uh, right now, I think we're, you know, it's a fascinating, but we're, the 10-year yield is, is above 140. And that, that is a, that is a massive move. And, and, and I think there was kind of that expectations that Fed Chair Pal was going to start to have to address that, okay, a, a surge in yields could disrupt financial conditions and and he was asked several times you know as as about inflation and uh, what if the economy runs hot and uh, he he really downplayed those fears so i think he pretty much gave a green light for treasury yields to to, to continue to surge and and that's uh what what is something they will get uncomfortable if, if we continue to see uh that rally go so i think 150 on the 10-year uh, which you know doesn't seem that far now uh could be a a point where i think wall street will start to expect to hear some more rhetoric that you know they the fed has more tools to uh address that uh and and one of the main reasons why is i I think you know we earlier in in the week on monday heard from ecb chief lagarde and she's you know noted that the ecb is closely monitoring longer term nominal yields and I, th- I think no one wants to disrupt the global economic recovery, and specifically if if these yields continue to surge, um, that's exactly what it will do. So I think there's a, a belief that uh, the Fed will need to be tested, and uh, that's why the, the, the move higher in yields is, is still going. Yeah, and he certainly held firm, hasn't he, in the, in the face of suggestions that the central bank risks inflating an asset bubble by maintaining uh, these current policies. Um, uh, bomb purchases and, and, and the fact that the rates are close to zero. And he said that the economy is a long way from employment and inflation goals. So he is really trying to, to hold firm and he's setting his sights on full employment and an inflation target at 2%. Very much so. And I think one of the, the, the key data points that he, he, I think he always goes back to is that we still have 10 million still unemployed. 
Uh, and and that is is going to take a long time to, to to get those jobs back. A lot of that is from leisure and hospitality. So a lot of that will be depend on on the reopening of the economy. Um, I, I think his his uh, optimism, you know, has has mostly stemmed from you know a rather successful vaccination campaign. And I think we're we're constantly getting positive news on the vaccine front. It seems I think today's news, you know, with Johnson and Johnson um, getting the the FDA staff kind of endorsement, you know, really, you know, I think raises expectations that emergency use authorization is going to be probably in the next week. And we should start to see over the next four weeks, uh, you know, the J&J vaccine uh, um, released. And uh, I, I think that's very positive news, uh, but not necessarily for the U.S., but for the rest of the world. Um, the J&J vaccine is, is um I think the, the big takeaway is it's a single dose and it uses basic refrigeration. So it will really be, I think, um, very beneficial for third world countries where they might have difficulty with some of the difficulty in, in, in with some of the earlier vaccines that require much more uh, uh, difficult uh, refrigeration processes. So, so I think there's a lot of optimism for, for the, uh, U.S. economy, global economy for the rest of the year. Uh, but I think right now that you, you're going to see that uh, I think uh, Wall Street is much more optimistic that, you know, we could see a return to normal at some point in the second quarter. And that's much earlier than what the Fed is anticipating. Which was very similar to what uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson indicated in his uh, address on Monday. Now, I was thinking, actually, Ed, there is an irony that the two countries, the United States and the United Kingdom that have been the most heavily criticised in terms of how they've dealt with the pandemic, uh, the mortality numbers, and so on, seem to be way ahead of the curve when it comes to this vaccination process. It's quite a reverse, isn't it, for both of these economies? Uh, very, very much so. And, and it, right now, you know, the the world, you know, what will determine if you're successful or not is is really vaccine rollout. And and right now, you know, the U.S. and the U.K. are shining. Uh, the eurozone has has been uh, a terrible example of of <laughs> of um, showing what should be done as far as getting uh, vaccines available to their public and getting the approval processes done. And and right now, I think you're you're probably going to see that investors, you know, are really embracing uh, uh, the the swift action that you saw from uh, not just, you know, the central banks, but the governments, um, you know, committing billions of pounds uh, for extra support for the economy has proven uh, very successful. It's, it's, you know, managed to keep the unemployment rate around 5.1%. I, I think, you know, once that stimulus is, is withdrawn, I think you're, you know, the furlough scheme ends, which will probably be uh, uh, much later this year. Uh, you know, then you know, probably see the unemployment rate jump towards 8%. But still, uh, I think there's a lot of support right now that's going to be given to the jobs market. And uh, I think uh, the, the, the hardest hit parts of the, the uh, that from the government's lockdown are, are going to have that relief. And uh, I think as you know, you, you get closer to herd immunity, uh, you know, there is high hopes that, you know, that this, this, the UK economy is going to run really hot and then later this summer. And, and that's very optimistic for UK assets across the board. Yes. And because of this brightening economic outlook on this side of the Atlantic and all down really to the swift vaccine rollout, the pound is now on track for its best month since July, since last July, uh, buoyed by a sharp rise 
uh, in uh, UK government bond yields. Uh, looking at the numbers, near a three-year high of 142 and a bit against the dollar and 117 against the euro. That's uh, 3% higher. So that since the end of last year, the pound has strengthened more than 4% against the euro, and that does reflect on the difference in the vaccination programmes. And as we saw from Boris Johnson on Monday night, they are going to open things up, even international leisure travel uh, from June. doesn't necessarily come soon enough for a, a lot of sectors who want the Prime Minister, wanted the government to go even earlier. I don't know whether that's uh, very much the case in the United States as well. But there's more retail open in the USA compared with Britain, is there not? Um, yes, and, and I think what you're starting to see in in the, in the U.S. It, it really, depending on which state you're in, will make you feel whether you're in lockdown mode or not. Um, you know, uh, Florida has seen uh, pretty much a, uh, for for many uh, just a complete return to normalcy already, and that's why you're starting to see. Uh, um, uh, a little bit of an uptick here in, in, in new cases. Uh, it's still early, you know. You know, earlier in the week, I would have said they were un, they were not being impacted by these virus mutations, the 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 B one one seven strain UK. Um, and and I think what you're probably going to see is uh, um, there there's uh, going to be the, the blue states are going to be cautious. The red states are for the most part, it seems, a little bit more um, uh, lenient or or have have had a um, an easing of some of those restrictive measures already. So, so I think you're going to probably see that um, as these vaccines continue to get rolled out, um, you know, a good amount of the population already has had COVID. So I think there is that, that firm belief that uh, the people who want the vaccine will have had a chance to have gotten it by, uh, by April. And that should mean that uh, people who are not going to get vaccinated are probably willing to, or ready to just go about, the way things used to be and uh you're you're, you're going to see that strong push for that return to normalcy and that will i think really force the hand of governments and uh you're, you're probably going to see that is is going to really boost the confidence that you're going to have um, um uh, most of these restrictions lifted um, so so i think there's optimism on both sides of the pond but right now, I think, you know, the UK um, is, is looking at particularly bright uh, because, you know, for the most part, the UK was hampered by Brexit and the coronavirus. Now it looks like uh, the, the pound, you know, it's had its longest rally against the euro since uh, the mid 2015. So I think that is a strong sign that, you know, you're going to continue to see that outperformance until the EU really gets their uh, situation underway. And right now, um, you know, the headlines mostly it's it, it's it's improving, but it's it's not yet uh, upbeat. So I think uh, there's still some room here for for the British pound. Okay, let's talk about Bitcoin, uh, Ed, uh, one of our favorite subjects. It fell as much as a fifth yesterday, retreating from those record highs at the weekend. It dropped as low as just under $45,000. So that was a loss of about 18% on the day, a decline of almost a quarter from Sunday. And those falls after some comments from Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. Yeah, I, I think we, we were getting a steady dose of negative comments. I mean, it really started over the weekend. Uh, Peter Schiff was kind of tweeting with Elon Musk, and uh, Musk kind of agreed that, oh, Bitcoin seems a little bit high, and also Ethereum. And uh, you, you, you have um, a couple more comments from uh, U.S. officials highlighting, you know, their doing their review um, ECB came out with an opinion piece on 
uh, crypto regulation. And, and, you know, you, you just, you had a kind of a perfect storm of, uh, there was, uh, expectations that, uh, Bitfinex and Tether were going to reach a settlement. Uh, and it, what, what's very interesting though, is that with Bitcoin, you know, a lot of, a lot of times what you can see is uh, because everything is on the blockchain, you can see exactly when certain money is being moved around. It's very transparent. There's different different ways you can go about it. But um, what, what was interesting was that earlier at the beginning of the week, there was a, a it seemed to be a, a larger than amount of money being uh, shifted to the exchanges. Now, why would you move your money to the exchanges? Typically, it's the sell. So it seems that there were a lot of big whales that kind of got ahead of of, uh, of that Bitfinex announcement, which I think for many people, that was a, a very, very important uh, ruling um, or, or outcome. Um, the claims were pretty significant that, you know, Tether, uh, you know, one of the top five uh, cryptocurrencies out there was covering up financial losses, potentially covering up 850 million in, in asset, client assets, and that, um, you know, the, the Tether is a stable coin, so it's kind of backed by the US dollar, and there was claims that it wasn't fully uh, being uh, backed by the dollar. So, so I think, you know, they, they got fined 18.5 million, or that was the settlement that they agreed upon, and that seems more like a slap on the wrist. Um, so, so it seems that, you know, there was just a perfect tsunami of a news stream of, of just bearish news, and uh, that's what really kind of, uh, I think, uh, helped that bear market territory move. Um, but I think with, with Bitcoin, I think there is still, you know, this relentless interest, and uh, today, in the last 24 hours, we've gotten endorsements from Square committing more money into buying Bitcoin. MicroStrategy uh, committed, I think, another, was it another billion, I think, into Bitcoin with an average price just north of 50000 So I think there's just, um, uh, oftentimes, you know, when you, you have that, there's still a tremendous amount of loyal crypto followers. Yes, a lot of it is retail, but it is also institutional. You saw Square and MicroStrategy buy on this 20% dip. And I think you're probably going to see that the uh, demand cannot keep up with the supply. And that's why we still have it, you know, just uh, just above 49,000 right now. And and uh, it, it's going to remain a volatile trade. That's no one's doubting that. But I think there is still uh, a tremendous amount of backing. And uh, I think you, you're, you're probably going to see that... Uh, um, you know, this won't be the last 20% dip we see this year. I think we're on the fourth one already. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be wild times for Bitcoin. Um, but um, I, I think as you move closer to uh, um, north of 50,000, um, you know, there, there's just a lot of people that are, are going to, I think, have short leashes. Because if this rally does, is not sustained, um, they're likely to abandon ship a lot quicker. And uh, right now, I think what you're, when you see uh, a big move in, in, in Wall Street, and whether it's with Treasury yields, uh, that could kind of take away some of the excitement. So if Treasury markets are very uh, volatile here, uh, you're going to see a lot of that institutional money just focus on that. Okay, Ed, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. Speak to you again soon. Thank you, Johnny.